Welcome to Star Wars Collecting Cosmos, a celebration of collecting miscellaneous. I'm Ryan, and once again, I am joined by Amy from Nerd Vengeance. Hello, Amy. Hello, Ryan. We're hoping to be joined by Marjorie at some point. Uh, having a few Skype problems, I think. And um, we have a special guest today. We are joined by Ron Salvatore today. Hello, Ron. Hey, Amy and Ryan. How you doing? I'm doing well. Good to have you here. Thanks for having me. For those who maybe don't know Ron, uh, Ron posts for the Archive, and he, he's appeared many times on the, the Kivecast. I don't know about anybody else, uh, Ron. I always love when you pop in on Kivecast. I always love hearing your stories and everything when you talk to this guy on there. Uh, oh. So it's really a pleasure to have you on our, our podcast. Well, thanks. I'm glad you enjoy it. Obviously, uh, Sky and Steve do a great job, so I'm always honored when they ask me to be on, but I'm um, glad you've gotten something out of it. Oh, definitely. <laughs> Uh, today we're going to talk a little bit about ceramics, more specifically vintage ceramics. And Amy's, I, I, I don't think she wants me to call her an expert, but she's far more knowledgeable than I am in this field. So I'm going to let Amy kind of take it from here and take us on a journey through vintage ceramics. I guess the what we're hoping to do this episode is talk a little bit about what was available, what licensees offered ceramics, uh, probably from uh, the late 70s into the 80s. And um, we're going to devote like a whole chunk of the middle part of this show onto bootleg ceramics. And that'll be the bulk of our um, discussion because Ron is an expert on vintage bootleg ceramics. And a lot of people don't necessarily know what that is, but we'll, we'll get a little further into it uh, shortly. It's a very fascinating uh, area of Star Wars collecting. But uh, some of the first things that were available in um, the early seventies for people that were trying to buy ceramic items were cookie jars. The company with that license was Roman Ceramics. They sold things like the C-3PO cookie jar. Um, they had an R2-D2 cookie jar. Uh, I think they even had an ice bucket as well. These items have pretty much maintained and increased in value over the years. So they're, they're fairly highly sought after, mainly because they're some of the first items that were available. And then kind of around the same time period, we also had a company called California Originals, and they were also known as rump mugs. There were three different mugs to choose from in that line. There was the Obi-Wan, a Chewbacca, and a Darth Vader mug. They're almost like steins, really. They're so huge. And these were very kitschy. They were kind of 70s. There was some writing on the back of them. Um, they definitely had a folk type of appeal to them. And kind of sprouting out of this and this is kind of where we get into the bootleg section of things. There were a lot of copies made of these rump mugs. And um, Ron, do you have a few of these non-licensed? Uh... Uh, as far as the bootleg stuff goes, I always tried to stay away from the ones that were just straight copies of licensed things. Yeah. Um, but I'm very familiar with the, um, the bootlegs of those rump pieces. Um, they're usually distinguishable because the glazes are a lot different um, from the, the, the regular ones. And also the, the detail tends to be not as sharp. Um, but, yeah, you see those all over the place. Obviously, those rough mugs are some of the nicest early products, I think. And I want to say there's a, you know, that Luke, George Lucas, I think maybe in one of Steve Sansweet's books, uh, Lucas was cited as particularly enjoying those products. And it's kind of... I think emblematic of the early quality of a lot of the licensed product that came out because those are just really, you know, high quality items. And I think they might be the nicest looking ceramics 
that got made or the nicest looking licensed ones anyway. I don't know how you guys feel about those. But I just think they're really neat looking. Oh, I think they're they're excellent. I unfortunately I only have one at this point in my collection, but I I'm looking to get the other two. Currently, I only have the uh, the Obi Wan mug. That yeah, they did. nice. I mean, they just have a great arts and crafts kind of handmade feel, and the sculpting quality is just really sharp, you know. And I, and I think you're right; there is a real '70s flavor to them. Yeah. But no doubt, there's a ton of bootlegs out there. Yeah, I seem to recall your story there about George Lucas in one of the Sand Sweet books saying something about one of his favorite licensees or something like that. That, that sounds very yeah. familiar to me, too. Yeah, and I seem to really remember that story. I wish I probably should have looked it up beforehand, but I, <laughs> I do remember Lucas having a particular admiration for that those yeah. modes in particular. Yeah. And I think if, if anyone follows Charles Lippincott um, on Facebook – he posted not too long ago some of his recollections on getting them as a licensee for Lucas back in the oh, early really? days. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure he probably remembers that, you know. And speaking of Lucas in the early days, I, I want to say that another story that probably comes from one of the Sansweet books is that when Lucas was thinking of licensing Star Wars uh, initially, one of the first ideas he had was, uh, hey, R2-D2's got a great shape, I can imagine – you know, this being marketed as a, a cookie jar, which is, of course, exactly what Roman ceramics did. So I think that it partially explains why ceramics were among the earliest licensees or ceramic producers were among the earliest licensees for Star Wars. Hmm. Yeah, that'd be fascinating to see some articles on that. That's really cool. Uh, I'm pretty sure that that was one of the original, you know, thoughts that, you know, R2-D2, that shape lended it to a cookie jar form. Yeah, or definitely a mug. Because we've seen quite a few of those too over okay. the years. So I, I think I found uh, the the Sansweet book here. <laughs> um, <laughs> this is from uh, Concept to Screen to Collectible, and it says uh, Lucas took a sip of lukewarm coffee from his cup and mused, "Gee, wouldn't it be fun to have a Wookie mug?" Oh well, there you go. Maybe I'm misremembering the story, but you know. And uh, <laughs> yeah, it just kind of goes on the Chewbacca tankard and R2D cook. R2-D2 cookie jar are two items that George Lucas mused about while writing the script for Star Wars. Yeah, so there you go. Right at the root of Star Wars licensing, ceramics. There we go, yeah. And one of the things that uh, California Originals did in their early production process was design an R2-D2 Stein. And I think Gus might have the prototype in his collection, but I'm pretty sure that I, I could be wrong, but I don't think that item made it to, to market. Yeah, I don't, California Originals definitely didn't make one, but I think you're right that Gus does have something along those lines. I wonder what the story is about them not making it, if it was too similar to the Roman piece, and so they decided to cut it, or, you know what, but Gus might know. Yeah. We'll have to follow up on that one. So, kind of around this time, we've mentioned that we're starting to see unlicensed um, knockoff versions of ceramics, um, definitely with the California original mugs. But from that, we also kind of get this odd creativity out of it. And we're starting to get all sorts of items that have no basis on a license or a current existing product. They're just items that kind of defy exp explanation in many ways. <laughs> Which um, is exactly what I like. Yes. Yeah. So if I would say the majority of, of folks, if you go to like a, I don't know, an antique mall or a thrift store and you see something in the ceramic section and you're like, that just doesn't quite look right. Um, or it says love mom on the bottom or 1987 and handwritten scroll. Maybe it is one of these pieces. <laughs> 
So, Ron, how did you get started into this interesting side side collection focus? Um, I've kind of always liked unlicensed bootleg items. I think I was probably one of the first people to really seriously collect the action figure bootlegs back in the 90s. You know, obviously other people took it way farther than I ever did, but that stuff is all really expensive now, the action figures. So I think that I just noticed a lot of different bootleg ceramics around and felt like that was an interesting area that no one had really tried to collect extensively in. And also none of that stuff is really worth anything particularly. So it's very easy to buy that stuff. And I always like stuff like that. Anything that's cheap, that's interesting and where new discoveries can be made is always, I think, a good collecting area for someone to jump into. I also eBay is a great, you know, motivator for something like that because honestly, say in 1995, I think it would be impossible to seriously collect this stuff because there's just, there would have been no way to find it. You know, a lot of it's so regional. Um, and it's so random that you would have to be traveling around the country going to garage sales and flea markets. But on eBay, there it is every night. You can have a search string and, and see what pops up. And it's like, oh, well, that's that's cool. You know, 15 bucks. Yeah, that's neat. And that's pretty much how I built the collection I have. So I would say, yeah, it's a co- combination of novelty, new discoveries and cheapness kind of draw me, <laughs> drew me to collecting that. And I've been buying that stuff for seven or eight years and I don't think anyone has as much of it. Steve Sansweet has a lot at Rancho Obi-Wan. Yeah, have. he does. I, I a little, made a little side trip there last time I was uh, visiting with Pete Filmer, and uh, you got to look at his shelving there, and there's a lot of stuff that he has. Quite a yeah. Bit, yeah. Quite a bit of stuff I've never seen before, but uh, definitely a, a wide variety. Yeah, he has... I would say I have most of the ones that I remember him having. Obviously, there's a few random things that he has that I've never seen before. Yeah, he has the uh, – I don't know if you saw on the um, on the archive on the piece I did on, on bootleg ceramics, but there's a section on um, bootleg ceramic copies of Kenner's 12-inch figures or their large size figures, I guess you would say. And he has a Princess Leia that I've not been able to locate. So that's at least one thing he has that I've been looking for. We have a collector locally, uh, Jake, who's also on Galaxy of Toys podcast. He has that um, 12-inch Leia figure. I remember he brought it to a, yeah. a local collecting meeting, and he's like, what is this? Like, is, well, it, is it painted in glaze and everything? Uh, I think it was, wasn't it? I think it was, yeah. Well, because the one Steve has is, is what they call whiteware, which is basically just the raw form that hasn't been decorated up. Which is nice because, you know, it's nice to have it in any form, but I, I've never seen a painted one in person or in a picture. So that's really cool. And that, that's one of the ones I'm looking for. I love that has like the collar up in the back and everything. And yep. It's all molded. Yeah, that's really neat. She kind of looks like she has a funky halo going on. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. There's other ones in that. I don't know if you call it a line, but in that range, you know, that I, I've seen two different Chewbacca's, a few different Vader's, Luke's. I think that's about it. And the Leia. So maybe another one will turn out. That's kind of the fun of collecting this stuff. You never know. Someone all of a sudden has a Han or an, an Obi-Wan, and wow, you've, suddenly you've made a, a new discovery, which, you know, as far as Star Wars collectibles go, you, there's not that many new discoveries to be made for the most part. Yeah, there's. it seems like there's always something new with this this area of the hobby. 
And like you said, it's kind of fascinating that it's it's also vintage and it's still affordable. So hopefully not yeah. too many people catch on too quickly, but it's yeah. still affordable <laughs> for the yeah. most part. Yeah, to be honest, none of that stuff. Sometimes people ask crazy numbers for it, but it's really not worth anything you know exceptional, at least not now. Um, one of the things I like about it is that it's so regional and kind of folk arty, where it's like you buy something and you have a sense that this was made by an individual or at least was decorated by an individual. And, you know, it's and they're all over the place. Like sometimes you can find the same form made into different things. You know, here it's a statue, here it's a music box, here it's a lamp and here it's a bookend. You know, and that's always really interesting to me to see how people use them in different ways. Yeah. So to try and explain the process a little better, these pieces you could purchase at, could you purchase at a craft store or actually paint them at a location? That's something I could never really quite figure out. You know, I never really figured that out exactly, you know, 100%, which is why in the article I wrote, I kind of asked for different collectors to give me their memories of what they did when they made these. And in the general sense is that, you know, there were a lot of um, craft stores around or make your own ceramic stores back then, which I remember. Um, and you could go into these places and pick out what ceramic form you wanted and then you could have it fired and, you know, paint it up as you wanted and, and make it into a lamp or what have you. So it was kind of a DIY 70s and 80s craft boom. But I wouldn't be surprised if other ones were just made by people who then sold them at flea markets or whatnot as well. Um, as finished pieces. So I think it really varied, but a lot of them seem to come out of that craft store culture that was prevalent back then. One thing that um, I think fairly recently surfaced as Todd Chamberlain found uh, a lamp kit for one of the R2-D2 uh, pieces of ceramics. So you could go to the store, you could buy an add-on kit to some piece of ceramic that you already purchased and painted. Yeah, and could, Absolutely. Yeah, so instead of, say, like a ceramic R2-D2 bank, you could cut the hole slightly differently, use this hardware, and then turn it into a lamp. And so there's a lot, that's why there's a lot of variations, because you could feasibly do just about anything with any of these pieces. Um, I have a Yoda that has extra holes cut in the back, and he's an incense burner. Um, oh, that's cool. And he's definitely been used for incense burning, because the previous owner told me that, and it definitely smells like incense heavily yeah. um music box was another interesting one you know i bought an old time collection years ago and this guy had must have went to one of those craft stores and he just bought bulk of just the music box box mechanism so he had wind up mechanisms and also platforms which you could wind up like wooden platforms and when you let go after you wound it up it would play the star wars theme and so that's another kit that I think would have been available in those stores, you know, so you can make a lamp, a music box or, or whatever suited your fancy. Definitely. And the, and the music, have you ever heard anything other than the star Wars theme on these? Um, no, I wouldn't be shocked if there wasn't other license. Well, I wouldn't obviously, was license, but you know, <laughs> yeah. other properties that were represented by the music, but I, it'd be hard to imagine a more recognizable theme than star Wars, you know, so yeah. not seen or, or heard another one. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked, though, if there wasn't ones that had Beatles songs and other things that were really popular that you could do. I just haven't. I'm just not aware of them. What is what is the most peculiar greenware bootleg piece that you have found, Ron? 
the for your question. Oh, geez. Because there's a lot. <laughs> In my collection, I kind of like, I don't know, there's a set of wall plaques. There's a couple of different set of wall plaques, which is basically a figural item that's flat on the back so you can hang it on the wall and it kind of sticks out. Um, there's one set that has this really crazy detailing that I just really love. It's totally 70s and, you know, there's a Chewbacca, a Vader, and then a, a C-3PO and R2-D2 combo, which I don't know if you saw those on the archive, but they're just really bizarre. Especially the Chewbacca who's like surfing on it looks like a pickle or something like that. <laughs> I think it's supposed to be some sort of alien terrain, but it looks like he's surfing on like a, a brown cloud or something weird like that. And I really just like the sculpting on his face. Uh, it's just a really bizarre item. Um, but as far as stuff I know is out there, I know Jonathan McElwain has a, a Darth Vader that's a, it's a pig dressed as Darth Vader. Have you seen that? No. Yeah, if you, if you go out in the archive and look at the, the bootleg thing and check out the Darth Vader items section, he has a statue of a pig, and it's dressed in a Darth Vader outfit, which That's is just awesome. super cool. <laughs> that definitely sounds like it would be a one-off. That's crazy. I don't know, man. It looks like they must have made more than one. But, and the pig looks like he has this like smiling look on his face, and his eyes look all shifty like he's trying to get away with something sneaky and it's just very strange <laughs> almost borders on just a... yeah, I'd say the one that takes the cake for me is uh, one of our local collectors Kurt has this in his collection but it's Vader and Obi-Wan standing in front of some sort of pipe organ um, like raising their beer mugs as if they're gonna like cheer each other on or something. <laughs> very have... weird yeah I have that one I think it's supposed to be that they're dueling with lightsabers but then Someone probably made a version that had beer mugs, which is kind of really funny. But it goes back to what I was saying about how interesting it is that people would customize these things to suit their own needs. Um, but I have one where they have little lightsabers and they're dueling. Yeah, and that's something I've noticed, too, is these molds uh, pop up from time to time, the molds for the actual pieces. And, and I think in different regions, people would make their own molds. So maybe a store might have different molds for popular characters. And so I think regionally you have a lot of that going on and there's probably a lot of pieces. I've noticed some greenware pieces that are slightly different in shape, even though it's the same figure. Mm -hmm. yeah. Obviously came from a different mold. Yeah. I think they would get remade and redone, you know, over and over again and kind of someone would make a new mold and make a new master, you know, a new masterpiece and then make a mold off of that. And it would change over time. Similar to the Polish action figure stuff, the bootleg action figures where those clearly derive from the same forms, but then over time they changed because they were making and remaking those things so many times, you know, they, they were articulated then they were unarticulated then they started to shrink you know, there's a lot of just weird things that happen when people are just copying these things over and over again. Yeah, and I, I definitely have a buyer beware on it uh, just because recently I, I purchased a Chewbacca mug on eBay or Etsy, actually. And um, I thought it was vintage, but it actually wasn't. It was a company or a you know small business that had some original molds and they were making new ones and they were glazing them to order, basically. <laughs> Ah, yeah, that's so good. Like, oh, I've been had. So <laughs> it's always good to ask. It's always good to be like, hey, um, you know, is this painted recently or something? And yeah, and, and again, the same that same thing happened with like action figures where it was, oh, these are vintage, and then suddenly someone got the bright idea to start making them again and selling them, and yeah. some people 
you know, got caught, like, oh, wow, these are new? I, I, I had no idea. So The nice yeah, thing it, is, I don't think too many people are into this aspect of the hobby yet. And so I, I tend to find that people are pretty honest about saying, yeah, I painted, you know, I paint these to order. Like, okay, thank you. That's all I needed to know. <laughs> yeah. It's interested. Like, well, new, it's still worth 12 bucks or whatever. Right. So, I mean, right. Right. I'd I rather find it vintage. interesting that people make bootlegs of bootlegs in some way. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's just, it's, that started to kill it for me with the action figures when that started happening. And it was like, is this really vintage or is this, just some guy in, in Mexico or whatever who's figured out that the old ones look like junk and that he could just make similar junk and crazy collectors will pay him a lot of money for it. Uh, you know, it, it's just I don't think that'll happen in, in uh, you know, it's any great extent with the ceramics, because like I said, there's not much value there. But if there was, uh, you can be sure that people would start making them again. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. The other cool thing about the bootleg ceramics is that it's not limited to Star Wars. So if you really wanted to go crazy with it, you could buy a whole bunch of other licenses. I mean, there's E.T. things and, you know, I've never done that. But it would be cool to see someone who just collected that and just had a ton of weird, you know, bootleg ceramics. There's, I think there's one crossover E.T. Star Wars item, isn't there? It's a lamp that's the spaceship with a mini R2-D2 down below. Yeah, that's right. There, there's a flying saucer, which isn't really the, the E.T. flying saucer, but I'm sure that that was behind its creation because I bet it was early 80s when E.T. was hot. And it, instead of e I want to say that there's some versions that have a little E.T. figure on the planet. It's like sitting on this cratered moon-like planet. Yeah. And there's a little R2-D2 figure. And I think sometimes there's a there's a version with an ET figure, which is kind of interesting. Sometimes that little R2 turns up separately from that too, as like a pie bird and, and stuff like that. Yeah, very odd mashup. Yeah. <laughs> well, have we, uh, Ryan? Did you have anything to add for bootlegs or anything you got from your collection? No, I just I, I find it interesting that you know when you talk about the. This, um, you could still find this stuff like at Value Village today. I'll, I'll walk in and see like. Uh, Yoda ceramic sitting there that's weirdly painted or not even glazed or something. But this stuff still just pops up in the thrift stores, and most people have no idea what it is. As you said, it's not really worth a whole lot, but it's it's interesting that, you know, it, it like when you go to Valley Village, you never see, like, vintage Star Wars at all, but, like, these bootleg ceramics will still pop up. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just one of those weird garage sale items that... For whatever reason, there's not a ton of interest in it. So even among vintage collectors, they're just kind of like, oh, what's that? Just some weird thing. I think you have to have a certain weird taste set to sort of get that interested. So they end up sitting around places, and you can get them for fairly cheap. If people are more interested in, in just reading about the stuff that I've found, although it's not been updated in the last couple of years, if you just Google Star Wars unlicensed ceramics that the archive special feature will come up and you can kind of go down the list and see all this different things and then there's some funny weird items but you know maybe by talking about it on on your podcast we'll you know get more people into it and then the prices will rise and i'll kick myself <laughs> <laughs> i hope that doesn't happen i, I don't want to be uh outpriced for this hobby so <laughs> well, it should be just to try to dissuade you people from jumping in and, and trying to steal all our stuff the, the worst thing about collecting this stuff is that, I, I'm not even joking, over 50% of the time it breaks in the mail, which is just frustrating oh. as can be. You know, I usually poorly packaged, even when you ask them to take special care, like, it'll show up and it'll just be shattered. So that has happened to me on multiple occasions. Um, I just, I had one of the fairly rare 
Jabba lamps broke, and I, I upgraded recently to a to one that wasn't broken, so I gave the broken one to a friend. But, you know, I've spent many hours gluing these things back together because <laughs> returning them sometimes isn't even worth it because it was cheap, and also it's like, where are you going to find this again? So Right. You know. Yeah, but thankfully, all the ones that I've bought, most of them I've found locally, but there's a few online. They haven't been broken. I only managed to break one, and that was my own doing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you have no one to blame for that. Exactly. But I I was able to glue it back together. Yeah, I mean, if it's not too bad, you can usually glue it, and it's okay. But, you know, usually that just kind of ruins it. It never looks the same. It's just sad. It is, but it's, it is an interesting, I will say I I got into the whole thing probably around the same time you did seven or six or seven years ago because a coworker left the Darth Vader lamp on my desk and I came (laughs) into work and I was like, what the heck is that? Like, it's definitely not licensed and I had no idea. Well, the the common ones, I guess we should mention are the the R2-D2, right? Which is about... 12 inches tall and is kind of a, a stout R2-D2 thing that you see a lot as lamps, um, but also, you know, in other ways, you know, sometimes it's a music box or something like that. The Vader, which is a bust, and sometimes it has a lightsaber, sometimes it doesn't. Probably the other more common one is maybe the Yoda, who is also a bust, although there's several different Yodas, including some that are truly strange and weird. <laughs> I think they're all pretty strange, but that's Well, me. yeah. I mean, there's one I have that he's holding just a stick. It's like, I guess the... The Billy Club one? Where it looks like he's pl- going <laughs> to oh, play, yeah. uh, play cricket yeah, with you? Oh, yeah. It's like they, they started out making it like a cane and just got bored, and so they just made it like a club. And he's <laughs> this kind of like, you know, this S-eating grin on his face that he's like just whacked somebody, and he's kind of really <laughs> happy with himself or pleased with himself. It's just such a weird... <laughs> It's just so almost disturbing looking. Like, I don't know how someone could have made this made this thing. Yeah. You know, there's some weird ones. But yeah, I'd say the Vader and the R2 are the two most common. Oh, also the Chewbacca, which is a bust. And then the, there's a C- C-3PO bust that I, I call the uh, DJ-3PO because he looks like he's spinning records, which is also fairly out there. Those are the ones you th- seem to find the most. Yeah, and Chewbacca's pretty frightening, too. He's got this weird headset on, and he's got, yeah. like, this funky square base that he's kind of rising up out of. Uh, yeah, and that same head on the Chewie with the, the, the headset was made into a mug. Yeah. Um, I find that in a mug, uh, which is fairly common. And the Vader bust, also the head from that, was also used as a mug, which is kind of interesting. Um, almost makes you wonder the stories behind this. Like, who was the sculptor? Like, the, are they originally sculpted those items? And how did, did they, you know, make the bust and then lop off the head or make a copy of the head to make it into a mug at some point? Obviously, something went on there. But Yeah, it, was it the same artist or did it, you know, happen somewhere else even? Yeah, who knows? It would be fascinating to find the person who made those original ones that but who knows who that was. I always wonder if maybe they were a little funky and a little different to try on skirt licensing issues or something. Yeah, I don't know. I've never really heard about Lucasfilm really or anybody cracking down on those DIY ceramics. Um, but I'm sure I'm sure they must have been aware because those things were around, you know. I mean, just just look how many are out there still now. I mean, I'm sure in the back in the 80s people must have been aware of them, but yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, probably yeah. some concern on their part, like about getting shut down, you know. Yeah, I think it was just such a backyard 
cottage <laughs> business that there, I mean, it would, probably would have been impossible because it was yeah. all over the place. There was no centralization to it, seemingly, uh, yeah. to it at all. Now, I know that, you know, the early die-cast figures, I guess we should call them lead hand-poured figures that were put out by um, Heritage and Archive Miniatures. I know they supposedly got threatened by Lucasfilm early on, but that's, you know, late 70s and a different. I, I think those are sold through ads and hobby magazines and whatnot. So I think that may have drawn the attention to them, but I've never seen like an ad for the, the ceramic stuff that would have really, you know, gotten anybody's attention. So maybe that helped it fly under the radar. Yeah. Not, not publicized. <clears throat> yeah. Right. Well, they definitely uh, still were going strong into eighties during return of the Jedi. They probably had, I would say they probably had their peak around the time Empire Strikes Back came out with all of the Yoda stuff that came out. Yeah, I would think so. You know, sometime 81 to 84 would be my guess is about the, the prime period for that stuff. Uh, although I did recently get a second Luke 12 inch, like a, a, a um, ceramic version of the Luke 12 inch figure. Although that one has been made into a music box or actually it doesn't have a music bo- box mechanism, but it has a button on there that looks like it's supposed to initiate some sort of light or music or something. Weird. And I took it over and the date on it, Someone had started it and not finished it, and it has a date on the bottom that says, like, 1992 or something like that. So I thought that was interesting. That is interesting. Odd yeah. timing. Yeah, it must have been someone who was a fan during those uh, dark years and just decided he was going to or she was going to make a, um, a Luke Skywalker item. Hmm. I don't know. What else could we say on this topic? I mean, I will definitely uh, post a link about your fantastic article on the archive blog, Ron, and um, – make that available to folks on our Facebook page so they can definitely take a look at it and see see the wonderful images of all these bizarre things that we're talking about this evening. That'd be great. And if your listeners have any weird items they want to share, maybe they can post them on your Facebook page. Cool. Yeah. Yes, especially stories about as if they remember they, they painted them. That'd be great to have. Yeah, I'd be interested in hearing about that because, like I said, that's fairly mysterious to me. You know, I, mean, I think I have a general sense about it, but, you know, the more personal stories we have is – I think that the more that sort of brings the whole uh, collectible to life, you know, it makes you, it gives you a sense of how it was used and done back in the day. Yeah, well, give us a polished picture on what happened and where these things were available. Yeah, no doubt. And I know the one that I got from my coworker, she told me she went to the craft store and um, she picked out the piece, but then she did say there were different kits and she could pick what she wanted and that's where she decided she was going to get the music box for the Vader and then she was going to get the um she said they had cording available too and and I think the cording that comes with my Vader is original because there was <laughs> tape that was applied in there where it, it sat so it, it's a string with a turn on turn off mechanism on the cord and it has three bulbous light bulbs like Christmas light bulbs on the end of the string and it's right. definitely meant just for this lamp. And then she said, you know, like in addition, they also have the little lightsaber sticks, which are basically just PVC tubes or acetate or plastic tubes that, uh, you know, are all kind of the same length. And you could glue them on afterwards after you painted and fired your piece. Well, that's fascinating. I mean, actually, one of the real holy grails, I think, would be um, photos of the inside of one of those places or just even an ad from one of those places where you can sort of get a sense of how they were sold and, and lined up because I, I I really have no idea. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I don't think we had a place like that that was that I remember going to as a kid around here. So maybe it was just not in this area or maybe 
my mom studiously avoided the uh, cheapo ceramics store, so I never got that experience. But that's not something I have any familiarity with. Yes, I know when my grandmother did some of that stuff because I have pieces that she did. It wasn't Star Wars, but same type of thing. You just go in and you pick the pattern and you make it, paint it, and uh, glaze it. And I've got several items that she did over there. I wish there was some Star Wars stuff in that, but I know, yeah. in, at least in the Seattle area, she did some of that sort of thing. Oh, it's really cool. It was a simpler time, Ryan. People yeah. entertain themselves by going to the store, and I can't imagine people really doing that now, but it's kind of a little sad in a way. But, you know, now that you mentioned that, I think I remember my mom having a sort of Christmas nativity set that she painted that was ceramic. So she, But that was, I think, before I was born. But I remember she had that and her telling me that she had bought the stuff and made it herself. So, yeah, yeah people did that back then. Well, there's still stuff like that today. I mean, you can do, like, you can go to a deal and paint your own painting they show you how to paint it um i've seen deals where you can paint like plates and then have them fired and things like that so well i guess etsy sort of brought back the whole diy thing what it's yeah. you know it's online it's not like you go to the mall you know these days or whatever but yeah no you're right people still do that kind of thing that's kind of cool i think yeah i always like that stuff yeah we definitely still have some paint and take uh places around here and, and they've been around since the 90s that i can recall but yeah, you know, you pick out your piece and you paint it up and then you leave it with them. They fire it up and uh, you come back a week later and pick pick up your finished piece. Yeah. Um, the one thing that kind of baffles me, though, about these bootlegs is that at some point you had to have it in, in greenware form where you could actually carve out pieces of the clay. To me, you know, you have that one step where you get the piece, you carve the pieces out, you turn it into a lamp or... You like on my Darth Vader lamp, you cut star eyes out, which mm-hmm. makes no sense. And then it needs to be fired, I would think. You need to fire that, and then you can glaze it, and then you fire it again. Yeah. That would be multiple steps involved in, in coming back to this place multiple times, or maybe you just go to the craft store, you buy the item, you carve it up, and then you turn it into them and, and have them fire it up. I'm not quite sure uh, how that worked. Kind of mysterious to me whether you just want... Did you did you have the chance to sort of modify it in clay form, or did you just pick out something that was already in whiteware, you know, and 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 paint it and stuff from there? Like I don't, I really don't know. I guess I could see it either way. But you're right though that there's ones that have stars in them, ones that have weird cutouts. But I don't know if that was user done or if like the stores had the shapes like that already. It's just kind of I'm not sure either way. Oh, A lot oh, of invaders have the star eyes. I know that. Okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely say that when I was talking to my coworker, she said that she she cut the pieces out on the Vader lamp. Oh, herself. wow. Interesting. That's so cool. I don't know if, if that's her recollection or if that's really what well, happened. I mean, but I buy it. Yeah, I just, like I said, it's just mysterious to me exactly how that all worked, you know. But yeah. that's cool personal memory though i mean a lot of these things some of them do have cutouts and they're not all the same i mean the yoda incense burner for example like yeah. it's got some funky cutouts that i've not seen in in similar ones yeah and it's some of like bank you know cutouts in the back to be used as banks and different you know it's they're all over the place you just i'll find all sorts of different variations i almost wonder if the licensee craftmaster who that made those um Sort of vinyl. You could buy a, a, a white vinyl figure of, you know, say Luke on Tauntaun or whatever, and paint it up in your own way. I almost wonder if that wasn't almost like an attempt to do a licensed version of a DIY ceramic. Although obviously, 
ceramic would have been pretty hard to sell in, on a card, so they did it in vinyl. That's a possibility. Um, yeah, that wouldn't yeah. surprise me at all, actually. Yeah, it almost does seem like someone at Lucasfilm or in the licensing side of things said, well, hmm, people are doing this, you know, all over the country on their own. We should maybe release something that allows them to do that, to buy something in a, in a regular way through a licensed format. Uh, because those Craftmasters, when, when you see them, they do look like whiteware ceramic pieces, but they're not. They're just vinyl. Yeah, that's a really good observation, Ron. Uh, yeah, I started collecting a few of those myself, it, mainly because they're all different, just like the, the ceramic pieces, too. But, yeah, they, I mean, they kind of reached the market around Empire and stayed through Jedi, yeah. too. Yeah, they're on Empire and Jedi cards, no doubt. I see those online all the time on eBay. I've never collected them, though. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I think a natural progression would be into Sigma, Definitely. which is also from the same time period. It's also kind of bridging the gap between Empire and Jedi. The things that they had available were just as mysterious and bizarre as some of the, the bootleg items that we've had. And like In the bootleg realm, we have pie birds and mugs and banks and music boxes in the Sigma realm. We have soap dishes and pencil trays and bookends and vases and all sorts of different things. And tape dispensers. Teapots. <laughs> the famous tape dispenser. Yes. Yes. And so I don't know. I don't even know where to begin or where to end on Sigma, but I mean, there's a lot of things. I think by the time Jedi came around, they decided to kind of calm down the line a bit. And they're like, okay, we're just going to offer mainly mugs and a few figural pieces. But, you know, we'll also have a few of the, the bizarre things in there as well, like a bank or the various odd, odd and end type item. But Empire, they really went overboard. Um, you know, and that's where we got things like the Snowspeeder toothbrush holder. What are some of your favorite items or do you have any items from this line ron i've never really collected it but i've always found it um just really fascinating to see some of the weird things that got released uh, i think i always just really thought it was funny that there was a r2d2 string dispenser because i've never really had a need for a string dispenser you know it's just kind of funny <laughs> to think that that's it's almost like well someone already made a, a cookie jar and an ice bucket or whatever so what else can we use r2d2 for and someone at sigma was like how about a string dispenser so that's kind of a cool <laughs> one the r2d2 and r5d4 salt and pepper shakers are really cool just because you know to me that's kind of perfect you know to have those two different robots is salt and pepper shakers and also r5d4 just doesn't get that much love as far as licensed products go just to, to extend something you mentioned before did, did the sigma stuff come out during the empire years or it was all 83 or so Trying to remember. I know the store display for Sigma, I think, was the big Darth Vader piece. Mm -hmm. It's a big plastic store display. Uh, one of our local collectors has it in his collection. I'm pretty sure it's Empire because the items that they offered was the C-3PO musical gun turret, which is one of the Hoth gun turrets, the Vader and Chewbacca bookends for like a Bespin hallway, the Snowspeeder toothbrush holder, obviously. Yeah, no, there's definitely... Empire theme stuff. You, you may be right. I, I couldn't remember. I thought it was all like around the, the Jedi time when they started releasing it. Even though some of it's early, like has earlier themes to it. But you could be right. I'm not an expert on the Sigma stuff. But 
doesn't all the Empire stuff have, serve a purpose uh, in there, whereas the Jedi, like, they have the little statues that are just statues by themselves? I mean, I know there's more to Jedi than just the statues, but... Yeah, those definitely come in Jedi boxes, no doubt, the statues, yep. too. Yeah, the... Box. That's a weird one too. There's, I think, there's a Yoda in a backpack that's just a box. <laughs> it's like almost <laughs> like let's just put whatever you want into it. Here's a, you just open it up and inside it's hollow and you can store things in it. And it's a it's a covered candy dish. Yeah, I mean, it would make more sense if that it was a candy dish, but it's just I think it's just called a box. <laughs> that's my memory anyway. Yeah, then and I think there was there was more than one variety of uh, vase for Yoda. The, the big dead tree stump with Yoda in front of it that also served as a vase. It's a cool line. I mean, if if you really were looking for something to collect that is varied and extensive and sort of unusual, um, and it's also doable because I think a lot of the stuff is still out there, you know, Sigma is really a kind of a cool thing to focus on. Uh, you know, I know most collectors are more interested in toys and whatnot, but that is definitely something that you could put together a cool run of the whole line, you know, call Todd Chamberlain. He's got a bunch of that stuff for sale. <laughs> you can put, put together a cool run of that stuff and you'd be one of the few people you know who has it all. So that's my encouragement to uh, your listeners. I want to see someone put together a full Sigma run. <laughs> someone aside from Steve Sansweet, who also has a full Sigma run in his collection on display, if you ever... I'm sure he does. Head down to Ranch Obi-Wan. Yeah, it's whimsical, it's funny, and but at the same time, it's household goods that you could feasibly use if you weren't freaked out about breaking, like, the soap dish, basically. I know that Chris Gullius has that, you know, Lance Peters soap dish in one of his bathrooms, or he used to, anyway. <laughs> I about that when I went to his house. Uh, yeah, I mean, and I think it's... I don't think it's junky quality stuff either, you know. I mean, it's I don't think it's as nice as the rump mugs, but you know, it it's fairly okay looking, you know. The stuff looks like it's well done and the Sigma folks put a lot of effort into it, it seems like. Yeah. I would say the Tauntaun teapot probably is the icing on the cake for that whole line. It's large and it's wonderfully detailed and you can tell a lot of care went into it and it doesn't come off as tacky. It just comes <laughs> across as whimsical. It's <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, can you imagine a company now doing, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy ceramics or something? And, <laughs> and Sigma didn't just make like three or four pieces, which would have been a good amount. I mean, they made like dozens of items. <laughs> and that's just a lot of product. I wonder how well they did financially with that stuff or if it was kind of a, a bad idea on their part to do all that. Because, I mean, they just must have invested a lot of money into putting all this stuff out yeah it's almost like they did what uh, marjorie always talks about is they like kind of went full episode one on it yeah no doubt <laughs> but oh. i mean i'm trying to remember the era was there a lot of ceramics out for other things at the time uh, i i don't know it couldn't have been any other i can't imagine another licensed property had that much no I can't imagine. Oh. I can see maybe comic, like maybe Superman or something from the era, but yeah, maybe I know, I don't know about it. Yeah. I, like I know Rumpf mugs. They they also made a whole line for Star Trek. Hmm. Um, oh really? Company did. Yeah, and yeah. you can get like Spock and Kirk mugs, but I I don't think anything like Sigma wise. I don't think there's any other. I mean, the only thing I could think of is possibly Star Trek. Yeah, I'm looking at the Star Trek ones online right now. It's definitely. I wasn't even familiar with those. I don't like them as much as the Star Wars ones. Yeah, no, they're not. They're not as good. <laughs> I think the Sigma stuff. You know, maybe one of these days it'll become a more popular 
range of things to collect, but it certainly is one of the most interesting and extensive lines of stuff released, you know, in association with Star Wars. For sure. Yeah. I think I think it has some of the more unusual things. I know I mentioned the tape dispenser, which is if never nobody's ever, if you've never seen the tape dispenser, go look it up. I'm not going to spoil the surprise for you. And then look it up and then go, how did this get made? <laughs> I, I Anthony Doug, Daniels even talked about it in his um, in his panel at the last celebration. He talked about the tape dispenser. Oh, and wow. and the mean, best part about it was he's like, does anyone in the audience have one? And someone actually came up. They're like, yeah, I just put it on the show floor. He brought it up <laughs> <laughs> to the yeah. stage. Between that and the tops card, I'm sure Daniels yeah. is a little bit weirded out by you know his license his his presence within the uh, licensed Star Wars world. <laughs> the, the other one I always found odd was that C3PO picture frame, where it's like the parts of 3PO around the picture frame. Right. Yeah. No. That's yeah. Just... I didn't quite understand that. <laughs> and at the top, it just says "Help." You know. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, just so weird. I I just wonder, like, I can imagine the Sigma people around, like, a board table, you know, a boardroom table trying to brainstorm for items and just kind of going with their first guesses on, like, what they should make without even thinking about it an extra time. (laughs) The stuff is just so, like, who came up with this? You know, a C-3PO picture frame that has his parts all put around the edges is just not the kind of thing I would have thought of, but it, it kind of works. It, you know, it looks, it's kind of cool. It's distinctive, at least. Yeah. A Max Rebo music box makes a lot of sense. So that's one of the more um, sensible items I think they did. That one's still kind of hard to get. I've, I've been keeping an eye out for one that's affordable, and it's been difficult. Yeah, that's a tougher one. Okay, here's the weirdest one. C-3PO, a turret... You know, the, the Hoth turret music box and C-3PO is inside the turret. Yeah. You know, what is that <laughs> all about? And the top part rotates around and around. <laughs> it's just so weird. It's just, I don't, you know, C-3PO is many things, but he is not a cannon operator. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, that makes me think that um, there was a Hoth place that put out in the 90s by Hasbro that had a turret That's... and in. On the, the packaging, it had 3PO inside the turret. And also, I was like, I wonder if they were looking at the ceramics. <laughs> <laughs> sort of weird Sigma's influence throughout the years. Yeah. Uh, the um, thing that always got okay. me is the pose of 3PO on the pencil tray. His arm's, like, super extended above his head, and it's like he's presenting the pencil tray to you. Uh, it's almost as peculiar as the oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. dispenser. He's posed like a like a pinup or something, or like a bathing beauty where his legs are out and he's got his own. It's so weird. Just so and a pencil tray is just another weird thing. Like who of all the household items, like what pencil trays? I, I've seen like cups to put pens and pencils in a tray. I mean, there's a pencil box I can see, but a tray is just odd. Yeah. I don't know what is going on there. Definitely bizarre. Yeah, it's just the the weirdness of the line. The the more you think about it, the weirder it seems. (laughs) The figures they made are almost the the least weird, you know? They're just kind of like straight figurines. Right. Those were something that attracted me to Sigmas when I first kind of discovered those in the 90s. They were very interesting. I didn't buy any for a long time. I finally bought a Vader at some point. But they did a lot of characters on that, too, didn't they? Uh, A dozen, yeah. So I'm thinking through. I know they did. They did a Bib Fortuna, didn't they? Yeah, no, yep. I remember an Admiral Akbar, Leia Bosch. They did a Wicket in there, I'm sure. Yes, they yeah. did do a Wicket. Um, I have a list here. Oh, that, go ahead. Uh, so it's a Bib Fortuna. We got Boba Fett, 
Darth Vader Emperor is sitting in his uh, oh, yes. fancy power chair. Uh, Gamorrean Guard, Han Solo, Klaatu, Lando, Leia, Luke, R2 and 3PO together, and Wicket. No Luke? Oh, wait, you said Luke. Yeah, no, there was a Luke. That was Jedi Luke. Jedi, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm like, Klaatu, but no Luke. <laughs> yeah, Klaatu. Like... Wait, there's no Stormtrooper. Of all, you know, no Jabba. No, no there's no definitely Scout. Stormtrooper, which That's is interesting. Weird. You get Klaatu, but no Stormtrooper. <laughs> like, this is the closest Star Wars ever got to Hummels. Yeah, there you go. That's true. <laughs> the The glazing on it's very similar, actually. Somewhat yeah. similar. They, and then they bugs too, um, which you know, God, the the line is just really extensive. They did a whole bunch of mugs, probably about a dozen of those, and I, I think there was a, I don't know if there was a stormtrooper. I know there was a biker scout though. I mean, one of the other weird things I found in this stuff was I, I actually bought this at a comic shop last year when I found it. It was the Chewbacca bank, which he's wearing a backpack that you've never seen Chewbacca wear in the movies. <laughs> Just for the purpose to have the coin slot for the bank, I'm guessing, but yeah, it was very strange to <laughs> have Chewie with a ba- with a backpack. Are you yeah. using it for its intended purpose, Ryan? Uh, no, it's actually sitting in my kitchen right now. <laughs> yeah, I know the, the Leia. I remember one of the weirder pieces is the Leia mug, and it's not weird because of what it is, but just weird because of how it looks. It just looks like it's kind of probably the worst portrait of Carrie Fisher. I think I'm on with that. Worse than Monkey Leia. Oh, well, maybe not. <laughs> like her. She, she's making this face that looks like she's about to be sick, and it doesn't look anything like her. And it's just very weird. I'm looking at it now. It, it, she has the distinctive, you know, Star Puffs hair, but then in, the handle is like a braid that's really jutting out from the back of her head, which is <laughs> just really weird. It's a really weird piece. I don't know. Yeah, and then sold his Jedi packaging, too. So it's like yep. Jedi packaging, a New Hope buns, and then the back braid, which is almost Empire. It's a, lot, weird, yeah. a lot of things going on in that one. Yeah. It's a cool and weird line, no doubt about it. The only other vintage thing that I had to talk about was in, um, Hamilton. And Hamilton did mugs, mainly photo uh, mugs, so they would print photos onto mugs and plates. And... Um, a lot of the images on the mugs had matching plates to go with them. Um, they were be they would be a uh, character focus, so you'd have Han Solo, Leia. Um, the one set that I have is R two D two and Wicket, and they came in some pretty cool boxes. For the most part, they were black. The mugs came in black boxes with Star Wars text. They came right out of seventy seven, basically. And if you have a whole collection of them the boxes have art that extend over all three sides. So you can actually make a really cool wall display with just stacking the boxes of the mugs together. Either of you guys have these items in your collection? The mugs or just Hamilton stuff in general? Just any Hamilton stuff, really. Um, You know what? I'm looking at pictures right now. And uh, before I was even a collector, I do remember visiting, I think, Star Tours in maybe 1991 or two and buying one of the Hamilton mugs, which I didn't even know was a Hamilton mug. I just remember it was the crew in the cockpit mug. Uh-huh. And I wanted a piece of Star Wars stuff. You know, I was 16 or whatever and I'm kind of like, oh, cool. And I, I bought that. So I probably still have it somewhere. So I'm, I'm, that's one thing I have. Uh, the plates are always associated with with me as like the manufactured collectible sort of QVC uh, number limited edition stuff. 
And so, my main memory of those is there was a couple of collections I bought where the people just had tons of those plates that they bought <laughs> and just being like, what am I going to do with these plates? And, you know, I, I don't know what I, I must have sold them cheap or something. Um, but, you know, they, they are what they are. They, they look nice. Um, I think maybe Star Trek was the first sci-fi property that, that Hamilton or companies like that were making collectible plates for. And then Star Wars was probably the next one, late 80s to mid 90s. Yeah. But when they stopped doing those things, I, I do remember them being on QBC a lot. I've never met anyone who's a big collector of those, but I'm sure there must be somebody out there. Usually when you meet uh, like a Star Wars person, they're, they're, they have those and they're trying to sell them. <laughs> they want to them. <laughs> if, if those people who are maybe too young to remember, they, these type of plates are advertised all the time on, uh, on TV as, you know, are guaranteed to go up in price or something like that. And marketed as collectible plates, they did everything uh, from like woodland animals to whatever. And <laughs> it's just some crazy stuff. That they, yeah. To market a collectible, it's going to be guaranteed to go up in value. That does no. Anytime you're buying that's a new, first... that's a limited edition or a numbered edition. Like chances are, it's never going to be anything as far as value goes, and that's just kind of like the, one of the laws of collecting. Yeah. <laughs> you know, maybe Star Trek stuff like that was big. Maybe like the first two plates had some value for a few years. And then based on that, everyone was like, oh, you know, these are going to be worth a lot of money. So, you know, Trekkies and then Star Wars people started probably buying all of them. But I don't think there's any that really have any value. And, and I think you're right. The people who have them are probably either regret that they have them or would like to get rid of them. But, you know, that said, it's not a junky product. I mean, no. they look nice. I, I know in the early 90s, uh, when I was getting in a little bit more into Star Wars collecting, I would get like the flyers in the mail for a lot of those things. And at the time, it was like, I didn't have a lot of money. I, I couldn't afford to buy anything like that. So I would cut out the pictures from the flyers and just hang that on my wall. It was about the same thing, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I have a scrapbook that was made by a, a woman who was a, a big collector in the 90s and in the 80s, 80s through the 90s. And I, I sent Amy some pictures of it for the, the cool blog post she's been doing on um, scrapbooks. But you go through it, and it's basically from the late 70s all the way – through the, the the mid '90s, it's you know a history of Star Wars product being licensed, being advertised in her local paper and you know in, in local magazines and whatnot. And, and you know that you're entering the, the tough period when you you start all the Kenner stuff is gone, and then you're you're into the plates. <laughs> We're in the plate years now. <laughs> stuff out there, you know, but yeah. that stuff has its place just with, along with everything else, I guess. Well, usually the art is nice on them and everything, but yeah. Yeah, I kind of always yeah. imagine things like hanging on someone's like wall, and the wall is wood paneled, and they're in some basement. You know, it's totally like 80s decor. You know, it's kind of my idea. I don't know. The Hamilton still do plates like based on licensed properties. I have not seen or heard of anything like that in a while. You there know, must be a market for Elvis plates. I mean, that must still be out there somehow. <laughs> A Marilyn Monroe, that's another one. Betty Boop. Yeah. yeah <laughs> Whatever right. the. Uh, yeah. Elvis plates will never die. <laughs> <laughs> They'll always be on sale at Graceland. Yeah, I definitely remember my parents always got the Sunday paper, and I remember going through the Sunday paper, especially like the parade section or whatever it was. And there would always be, especially in the 90s, there'd be a page in there about Hamilton's Star Wars plates. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, yeah. Give us. 
twenty dollars, you know, five installments and twenty dollars, and this play can be yours. Yeah, <laughs> they're expensive. Man. They what, were what very. Weren't they usually a subscription too? Like you'd get the yes. next plate in the mail like in two months or something if you didn't cancel. Yeah, yeah. It's like Definitely. Columbia House CD plan, but it's far more insidious. Delicate <laughs> plate things. It's just such a weird thing too. Like why plates? I mean, they're like non-functional plates. Obviously, you're never going to eat off them. Why not just make them? I don't know, like ceramic pictures or, or discs like why why the plate form it's just always interesting to me well it, it's something that was well established i know because i have some collectible plates from my grandmother from the uh, 63 world's fair here in seattle yeah, uh, yeah as well as stuff for like when the astrodome opened and things like that it's somewhere along the line a collectible plate became a thing for people <laughs> yeah it's like it's, there's like a whole tradition of like you know decorated collectible plates which is kind of just fascinating in and of itself like i wonder if there's someone out there who is a guru just on the history of that as a collectible (laughs) it is funny ron that you mentioned uh wood paneling and plates because uh my grandma she collected and and i don't know if she still collects but these norwegian plates um and they kind of started in the early 1900s but they're Mm -hmm. blue and white and um, they always are for different holidays in Norway. So it's like Christmas Eve or Mother's Day or something. And and it would just be like little snow scenes done in bas relief, but mainly, you know, multi-layered glazing of blue and whites. And um, I wonder if this isn't kind of like a calling out to that, because she would have, I think, the entire dining room and living room completely plastered with these plates. <laughs> <laughs> like the top three feet of the ceiling like into the ceiling was just covered with these plates and, you know, funky wallpaper, brown wallpaper. And yeah, yeah, I'm sure it goes back to, you know, yeah, like you said, there's, there's a tradition of that, you know, as Ryan mentioned, and it's like Steins, you know, like the collectible beer Stein goes back to something and they make them for all sorts of products now and everything goes back to Star Wars eventually. So if there's, you know, Steins that people collect and we have to plaster Star Wars on there at some point. I if, it hasn't those... been made, if it hasn't been made yet, it will be soon. <laughs> yeah. So. yeah. But I think that's something that kept some people who were collectors going during the, the early 90s and the late 80s was the stuff like the plates. Yeah, it could be. <laughs> well, if we jump into the modern and, and it would just be a brief glance at it, I mean, we've already talked about um, applause and the things they did. Yeah. And a lot of the applause mugs, especially the, the figural mugs that they did, are almost copies of what Sigma did. I mean, as far as I know, the R2-D2 mug is similar to another R2-D2 mug that that was released previously. After after applause, they they kind of overdid it on episode one merch, and I think they backed off from Star Wars quite a lot. I mean, I don't <laughs> even think applause is even in business anymore. If they are, they're definitely not touching Star Wars with a ten foot pole. So didn't we determine we figured out the on the applause show that uh, episode one may have killed applause? <laughs> yeah, uh, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, wouldn't be surprised at all. Big distributor now that does ceramic, both kitschy things and mugs, uh, is Gallery. And you can usually find their stuff at at Targets in the U.S., especially during the seasonal time in their area of the store. And they they have these weird figural goblets that are, they look like something Sigma would do, really. But the top of the head is open and you can put, you can either put candy in there, they've sold them as hot chocolate mugs but there's no handle on them. And they've come out with 10 different figures 
on their goblets over the probably the past 10 years. They're pretty whimsical. They kind of have that Sigma type of appeal to them. And then they just have regular straight mugs now, too, with printed images from different Star Wars artists. Interesting. The thing I like about the goblets is that they've done seasonal things. Like, was it last year they had the, or two years ago, they had the Vader and the Yoda with the uh, jack-o'-lanterns with them? Yes, yeah. And the the Vader has the unhappy face (laughs) jack-o'-lantern. And you just got the happy face one? Yeah. Yeah, those are those are some of my favorite items that have come out that of licensed that are ceramic that have come out in the last few years that you can still get fairly easily at the store. Well, I know when we we talk about like dark times and that sort of thing, kind of before '95, I remember one of the first I, I'll call it a high end item is probably not really a high end item, but for me it was very expensive. I bought the ceramic uh, Darth Vader Stein that came out. Don't even remember the 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 manufacturer at this point, but it has a nice image uh, wrap around the, uh, of the Stein of uh, a whole scene with Vader stuff, and then it has a pewter Vader on the top of the Stein where it opens. And I know they did a couple more. I, I think I've got one with Luke and Vader dueling as well. These are the type of thing that you got the flyer in the mail. I think the Vader Stein was limited to 1,977, which again means it's, <laughs> you know, not worth much, but <laughs> you know, that was kind of those things that they were filling in with there. It's interesting to think about that. What's that? I remember that stuff being on QVC, and, and you know when I remember watching the Steve Sansweet would host. I remember oh, the yeah. signs on there. That was must have been mid '90s or something like that. Right. Those QVC shows, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, those are the days. I probably have them on VHS somewhere. <laughs> to get back to the applause mugs, there was someone on eBay recently who had a wax sculpt, or he claimed it was the original sculpt, and that he was the sculptor of the um. Of the Tusken Raider mug that Applause did in the mid '90s, which was pretty neat to see. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, it was like eight or eight or nine hundred dollars he was asking for it, but I mean, it's the mm-hmm. original piece, you know. It, it looked legit, but that's just kind of jogged my memory about the that that Applause stuff. I know. I think the other ceramic thing I've seen recently is Funko started doing their own line of mugs as well. Uh, and the most recent Smuggler's Bounty that they do, their subscription service. It came with a pop vinyl style C3PO ceramic mug, and they had a whole ad for a bunch more mugs that they're doing. So uh, apparently Funko is getting into the game on this stuff too. Yeah, it seems like I mean, it's crazy to think, you know, 1978 or whatever it was. There's you know a couple of companies you know doing Star Wars thing. Not a couple, but a handful of company making licensed products, including California Originals or Roman Ceramics. And now it's like how many? How, it's it's hard to even keep track of all the different companies that have done mugs, for instance, or or he's, who's even doing them now, or who might do them in the future. So Star Wars, uh, is and cool. who's going to be keeping tabs on it too? Because uh, Duncan uh, Jenkins. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I feel bad for Duncan because ever since Disney took over, they've stopped putting dates on these items too. And oh, so, okay. I mean, a lot of these vintage items are dated, not necessarily the bootlegs, but some of them are. But yeah, like the new stuff coming out at the stores, there's no date on it. So it's really hard to tell, like, when did this come out? How long has it been out? You know, oh, it's going to be. It. And Disney's been producing their own stuff, whether it be at the theme parks or in the Disney stores. Or I know they've had their own mugs. Uh... Uh, ceramic mugs as well. They've done their own like limited edition statues. I don't know if you consider it ceramics. I think most of it's been like polystone or that sort of thing. Disney does their own thing <laughs> as well. Uh, I know they've done their own high end stuff at the Disney parks as well, and it kind of gets a little too num- numerous out there. And I-, I hope if Duncan's not getting it all, at least he's keeping track of what's coming out. 
Yeah, no, I'm sure he is. I can't imagine that he's not still going. So yeah, yeah. he's uh, a machine. Yeah, and uh, and another licensee, uh, Hallmark. They're still making. Oh, yeah. They're making ceramic items too. That's right. I got an R2-D2 cookie jar last year for Christmas, and R2 has a Santa hat on, and when you open it up, it plays like, uh, we wish you a Merry Christmas or something like that. Huh. Interesting. And they did a Santa Yoda figural candy dish to hold your uh, candy yeah. canes. Hmm. Maybe they'll do a pencil tray. Maybe. <laughs> Since Sigma did it, the world has been screaming for a pencil tray. Maybe instead of C-3PO, though, they'll have Leia as Jabba's prisoner. I think oh. that's what they're calling her now. Oh. Yeah. I thought they were, I thought they were like uh, abandoning that altogether. No more Leia in the bikini. But... No, they're just not calling it Slave Leia anymore. Oh. I, the first the first product I saw with it being rebranded was a, a Funko Pop. Huh. So it it has already begun. I, I liked it, I would have liked it better if they went with Leia Jabba Slayer or something like that. That's cool. <laughs> Jabba Strangler. <laughs> well, that, that, that whole thing I got a kick out of it when Carrie Fisher chimed in and said that, uh, yeah, I may have had to wear that, but I, I wrapped a chain around that slug and, and strangled him to death <laughs> while I was in high heels or whatever she said. It was like, yeah, there you go. Yeah, it's true. It's true. All right. Well, that's about all I had for ceramics. Unless you guys had anything more to add to uh, this interesting subset of Star Wars collecting. I think obviously there's probably plenty more we didn't cover. There's probably manufacturers <laughs> out there we didn't talk about. Uh, ceramics, ceramics is a huge, huge thing. I, I think we covered kind of the the top stuff. Sigma being one of the coolest things. I, I agree there. And the bootleg is very interesting. But remember, people, if you're going to go out and buy stuff, go buy Sigma stuff. Just stay away from the bootlegs so Ron and Amy can buy it all. Thank you. <laughs> we appreciate it. Yes, that's absolutely true. Unless we're selling the bootleg item, then be our best. <laughs> <laughs> then pay a lot. <laughs> I would love to see if anybody's got unusual items or unusual stories about that bootleg stuff. If, if you share them on your, your Facebook page, that would be really cool. I'd Definitely. See. If anybody has, especially like stories or pictures about making the uh, the bootleg stuff in, in the stores, that would be really cool to see or hear about. Um and anything that you might have to add out there, feel free to uh, write us at uh, swccpodcast at gmail.com or post on our Facebook page for sure. All right. Well, I think we've covered ceramics as well as well as I think we're going to for this. <laughs> um, so I, I'd like to especially thank Ron for joining us. It was a pleasure having you on the show. Oh, no problem. Anytime. I'm glad you guys asked me. I uh, am honored to uh, help out. It's great to have your wealth of information here. And I thank Amy for joining us uh, as always. Thanks for having me, and thank you, Ron, for sharing your knowledge on this really fun and fascinating topic. Well, thanks again for having me. And for our listeners out there, if you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, or would like to pass on any information, you can go to our Facebook page or contact us at swccpodcast at gmail.com. We look forward to bringing you an interesting episode full of fun, laughter, and maybe a little bit of the oddball, more likely lots of the oddball, next time. Uh, thank you for listening, and yub nub. Do you have a lay new? 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 Do you have a lay new?